And I think, you know, as followers of Jesus, this isn't just wishful thinking when we say God is, you know, can we trust that God is loving and good? Uh, You know, Jesus kind of makes uh, a loving, good God credible for us in moments of suffering and pain through his own life, through his own death and through his own resurrection. Welcome to the Follower Podcast, a place for conversations about following Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. My name is Matthew Lewis, and I am so glad that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Follower Podcast in our series, Into the Deep. I hope that the series has been helpful for you. Uh, I know that we are uh, touching on some very meaningful stuff when we talk about suffering and pain and God meeting us in these things and really asking the big question, what can God do with our pain and in our pain if we let him? And um, this is not just true for us individually, but for us as a world at the moment. Uh, so so much of this around. And so it's a, it's a pertinent question and today on the podcast, we have um, uh, my friend Trevor Hudson. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor. Hi, Matt, and uh, thank, you, thank you for asking me. And uh, to those listening, uh, it's a privilege to, uh, to be with each of you. Mm, yeah, and Trevor's not new to the podcast. We have uh, had him on before. And really, I think uh, in some ways, just a kind of voice of wisdom into my life and therefore into the, the life of, of the follower community that's slowly growing. And when we were putting together this, this idea around suffering and hardship, Trevor, I knew that you were, you were neither a stranger to suffering and hardship nor to the Jesus that kind of meets us in that place. And so I really just felt that you would be such a valuable voice to have, have on. So thank you again, just for making the time. Well, thank you, Matt. And uh, as you say, the, you know, we we kind of on holy ground whenever we we speak about the theme of suffering, which for most of us is not only just a theme, but a, a lived experience. Mm, absolutely. And, and for those of you who don't know Trevor, Trevor has been a minister in pastoral ministry for a long time, and now really works more in the area of lecturing and teaching and a spiritual director, or as he would say, co-pilgriming with people. And then he's also a writer of a number of books and uh, actually some wonderful stories. Trevor, could you just share that, that story you just shared with me? I think that's such an exciting thing. Oh, I was just profoundly moved, uh, just I think <laughs> literally 30 minutes ago, getting an email from uh, my South African publishers in Cape Town just to say that the Ukraine a publishing house in the Ukraine had requested permission to print two books of mine, Questions God Asks and Touched by Resurrection Love. And I was just, I was, I was so deeply moved that somehow, you know, we write these squiggles on paper and, yeah. and somehow God can take them and put them in places where I would long for them to go, but I never, ever dreamt they would ever get there. 
So I'm just yeah. really overwhelmed at the moment with a sense of deep gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. What a gift that those those words and ideas would find their their way into people's lives in that space right now. I mean, it's just the goodness of Jesus, hey. It is. Um, Trevor, as we kind of enter into this idea, you know, we're drawing on this idea of Jesus meeting the fishermen and inviting them into the deep and suffering, pain, disappointment. Um, you talk a little bit about this idea of, you know, suffering comes to all of us. And then we're really left with a, a choice, either of cynicism and rejection or to follow God deeper into the mystery. I wonder if that would be a good place of starting as we sort of, you know, talked a little bit around this idea. Sure, Matt. And perhaps I can, if it's okay with you, just uh, share a, a very um, important moment in my own life. 1978, I was working in a small little community in Washington, D.C., and on my way back here, I kind of was looking for a word, as it were. I haven't asked many people for a word. I think three people in my life. Many people have had words for me that I haven't asked for. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and the pastor of this local uh, little local church where I had worked for about six weeks said to me, Trevor, don't ever forget, you know, whenever you teach, preach, everyone sits next to their own pool of tears. And that, you know, that one sentence uh, spoken in 1978 um, really has, I guess, shaped my own understanding so deeply of ministry that, you know, whenever I'm with someone, uh, I know this person sits next to, as it were, a pool of tears, as I do as well. And that this is part of the human, it's part of the human condition, it's part of the uh, human predicament and somehow we need to find a way as followers of Jesus to respond to this in a way that I you know that is uh, life-giving and hopeful and and honest mm -hmm. um, yeah and, I, and as you were saying you know Matt as you opened up the subject I think that in moments of 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 deep suffering, of heartache, of heartbreak. I think often we're faced with, um, with I think, two choices. I was just doing a funeral the other day of a 38-year-old young woman who grew up in our own home in many ways and died, mother of a seven-year-old child, died of leukemia at 38. You know, and looking out at her, you know, the unfairness of this, the the, um, the it, you almost feel the, like the wrongness of this situation, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and in that moment, I think, and I was saying it to the folk, you know, we either we either say, you know, God, I I can never ever trust you again. I really can't. And we kind of maybe move into a place of deep um, skepticism or cynicism. Or certainly a place, and perhaps most tragically, of unbelief. Um, and I, but I think there is, and I think there is, and this is how people who have been witnesses to me, that there is another way of responding, of mm -hmm. of maybe saying, you know, God, I really, I don't understand what's going on here, and I'm not even going to attempt to, to find a reason, mm -hmm. but. I, but I'm going to trust in this moment that you are good and that you are deeply, deeply loving and that you are at work and present in this a moment of suffering. And I, I, 
I've learned from others and a little bit from my own experience that that first response, the one towards disillusionment, uh, cynicism, I think often leads ultimately to a place of despair about life. Mm. I think the other, second option, while not easy, somehow leads us towards life, even in the midst of our of our pain and suffering. Mm. And um, and I think you know, as followers of Jesus, I, this isn't just wishful thinking when we say God is. You know, can we trust that God is loving and good? Uh, yes. You know, Jesus kind of makes uh, a loving, good God credible for us in moments of suffering and pain through his own life, through his own death, and through his own resurrection. And I, I think that's, you know, that was the question that kind of rose in me as you were talking now is, you know, we talk about these two choices now. Someone uh, who's listening to this is going, it's all good and well. And that may even be true in retrospect. But what reason should I have to make the one choice and not the other choice? Sure, sure. And, and, and you're saying that that reason is found in Jesus? Right, right, Matt. You know, I... I know that this is a highly kind of, con, you know, theologically contentious area. But when I follow Jesus through the Gospels carefully, and I'm sure for those listening to the podcast do this as well, it is striking to notice how he responds to suffering. That not in one such gospel event story does he say to the sufferer, this is God's will for your life. Mm. Rather, in almost every situation, he responds to the sufferer, um, either in terms of uh, removing the cause of suffering or offering his own friendship and presence uh, with that person, so it's almost, you know, that if if our picture of God or understanding of God is shaped by God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ, if Jesus, if, right. if God is a Jesus-looking God, yes, um, yes, then I, I, I'm, I have to stand on the rock of saying that that God does not will suffering into our lives and therefore just knowing that that's the kind of god we worship helps me very deeply in moments of deep pain to trust to trust goodness uh, god's goodness to trust god's love uh, in the situation even when the suffering makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and so what you're saying if I'm hearing you right, is that the call to trust God and in a sense to, to choose a journey of surrender into the deep is really uh, almost the precursor to that is the conviction that this God we're trusting is not just any God, not a God in generality, 
but a God who is who is for us and who is kind, uh, and that the evidence of that is this man, Jesus, who has embodied such a God into our lives. Is that what you're saying? Right. You know, I think of the Hebrew, you know, very powerful Hebrew passage, you know, Jesus being the quote-unquote exact representation um, mm. of God. I think of Paul, you know, Paul's words, Christ being the I- image of the invisible God, mm. uh, that somehow when we look at Jesus, but more importantly, when we watch how Jesus responds to suffering and pain, we catch a glimpse of how God responds to suffering and pain. And, you know, you talk about how this kind of longing, this achiness, is, is really in some way divine yes. engineering. It's, a, it's written deep into our hearts, uh, this longing for God on the other side of this journey. Could you speak a bit to that thought? Yeah, you know, I, I, when I'm with someone and I sense in them a real longing or a thirst to get to know God a little bit more deeply, I know that God's already, uh, that God is already present in their life, that, that almost the Holy Spirit like dwells, as it were, within that very longing and has evoked that longing and initiated that longing. And now this person has responded to that nudge or prompt or movement of God within their life. So that God is always initiating uh, our response uh, to, as it were, to God. Um, so, you know, so for example, in very practical situations, if I lead a retreat and I, and I sit with, say, 12 people who've come on retreat, I know that God's been at work at them, you know, prompting them to be there in the first place. You know, who would think of ever wanting to go on a retreat, really? But somehow God must have been at work. Or if they pick up a book, you know what I mean? If somehow I know if someone picks up a book, let's say, maybe that I've written, I know that or who anyone has written in terms of maybe the faith, God somehow has been at work. Um, mm. And now somehow that person is uh, responding to that stirring or that prompt or that longing within their heart. Um, and I, I just, so, so that when I'm with someone and they're expressing their own longing for God, I kind of want to get in on what God is already doing in this person's mm. life mm, yes. and not get in the way. Yes, yes. And so to kind of bring these two thoughts together now, um, I'm imagining the person who's listening to this, you are in your own place of suffering. You're sitting next to your own pool of tears, as Trevor has said. You have this uh, invitation in front of you, either give up, you know, drawing on our own analogy here, leave the boat, wash the nets, go find another job, or hear this voice of Jesus following you saying, come into the deep. And, and there is a kind of ache in you. There's a kind of longing in you uh, to try and make sense of it all, to try and make sense of the suffering and the pain and, and what you're kind of feeling. And, as I pull these two thoughts together, and again, tell me if I'm wrong here, Trevor, but 
it's almost like that ache, that longing to make sense of it all, that that why and and what for and what is this about? Those questions are in and of themselves that that longing that it is the spirit beckoning in some way. Yeah, thank you, Matt. And, and I, if I may just take that one, just one small little step further. I think, you know, when I, as I imagine people listening to this podcast, I'm aware that someone at work within their life, God's spirit, gave the actual desire to listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And the, the very, you know, that, that, and it's, as you have just said, it's so often within the context of our own pain and suffering. I think that there are certain heart longings that come to the surface uh, in a way that they perhaps don't come to the surface, let's say, when everything is going well. Now, I'm not saying that God sets us up for suffering in order to get our attention necessarily. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that God's presence and activity in our moments of suffering is often to to raise to the surface uh, longings and yearnings that that can, if we respond to them, lead us very deeply uh, into the depths of God. It's um, what you're saying, Trevor, makes me think of C.S. Lewis. <laughs> a follow-up sure, podcast. I was wondering be, about that. It <laughs> <laughs> would be complete without a C.S. Lewis quote. Um, sure. And, and C.S. Lewis talks about this idea of how when he says that, when he says that the universe is broken, He's saying that the line is skew, but how can you sure. say that the line is skew unless there's some kind of straight line for it to measure sure. against, you know? Sure. And when we, when we sit in us in suffering and long for relief, when we long for um, uh, sickness to be healed or death to be done with, or that's this, it's the skew line longing for the straight line in a sense. And, and so in some ways, Jesus is the ultimate recycler in that, as you said, he doesn't necessarily set up our pain out of desire, but he can sure. repurpose our pain. And so sure. it's almost like he, he oh. turns up the volume on some of those deep longing questions that our sure. suffering evokes yeah. in order to bring us home. Would you agree with that? Yeah, well, you know, and I think it just, you know, I think, I, I, I think you know C.S. Lewis better than I do, but doesn't he say something about that the pain becomes like God's megaphone? Absolutely, um, right. Uh, and so there's a sense again, and again, I want to be cautious here in my language that God hasn't set up suffering, uh, but, and I love you, the way you've put it, that there's a sense in which God maybe can repurpose an event which seems so absolutely senseless, can repurpose that event in a way that is profoundly redemptive as we trust, um, as we trust God's goodness and love within that particular situation. And that's why I think that's why I was saying right at the beginning that that option to trust. Uh, and sometimes we, you know, I need, God, I need to say to, to the Lord, Lord, will you help me to trust you? 
And we all know the Old, te- you know, the New Testament prayer, which is our prayer often, Lord, I do believe, help me in my unbelief. And that's a wonderful prayer. We don't have to have a lot, we don't have to have a lot of faith or a lot of trust. But we take the little faith and trust that we've got because it gets so battered in our moments of pain and suffering. But we're going to take that little bit of suffering, of little bit of trust and faith. We're going to ask for a little bit more and we're going to let it become active in our relationship and in our relating to the Lord in our suffering and in our pain. And I think it, it brings me to kind of the final thought that you raised, because if I'm following our conversation here, I see these two choices. I see Jesus as a reason to trust. And I see a longing from God that would pull us in that direction. I guess my final question, which you kind of pointed to already is, okay, where do we start? <laughs> so, you know, you've got this person. And as you point out, even in my own journey recently, you know, when things get hard, all of these ideas can be so true. But even just the energy to begin can be the challenge. Where do you start, you know? Yeah, sure. And, and you make the statement, you say, Jesus meets us where we are, provided we can be honest about where we are. Sure. And I thought you could maybe just unpack that thought. Yeah, you know that I think like when you know I think you ask a very helpful question, an important question as well. Now where where does one begin? And I think that you know the the starting line, the picture I always have is that God draws the starting line right where we are. However, however messy it may be, or however unbearable it may be or however painful it may be, that the starting line is drawn in that reality. So I don't have to get anywhere else. God is one. God can only, how do I put, God can only meet us and bless us where we are, not where we're not. Mm. And so I think in my own pain and my own pool of tears and as I'm speaking here, I'm thinking of the listener next to her or his own pool of tears. That's going to be the meeting place. So I, I don't have to pretend it's not there. I don't have to pretend or cheer up if I'm feeling broken. I, I, can, I can feel all the feelings that I've got. I can have all the thoughts that I've got. I don't have to think or feel anything else. And I think the invitation is then to open that up to the the Lord who is wanting to meet me just where I am. And for and if you wanted and if you were to push me, Matt, to become even more perhaps practical, and that may simply mean uh, sitting right where I am and telling the Lord exactly how I'm feeling and thinking and and saying that aloud to him and then asking from him for what I most deeply, deeply need within the situation of pain and suffering. 
And there's something about the rawness of that kind of encounter that I think serves as a as a very, very important a starting point. You know, people and then people will often say to me, Trevor, you know, but surely God knows my pain and my suffering. And I just have to keep pointing out that we're not giving God information that God doesn't have. Mm. You know, when I share my my pain, I am what I'm actually doing is I'm opening that up to grace. So God is not going to go crash, but as I as I share it, I'm almost I'm opening that area of my life up more deeply to God's activity and God's presence. And the analogy that I always use is that so often I know what's you know I know what's sometimes what my kids are going through, and then when they come and tell me, Dad, I'm really battling at the moment. I never say to them, "You don't have to tell me. I know," mm. because it's mm. not about information. You know, when they share their heartache with me, what they are actually doing is they're giving me a chance to really show them love and care and compassion that I would not have been able to show them had they not given me that access. And I think it's very similar in our relationship with God, that as I share the reality of my life as honestly as I can, quote unquote, I'm giving God a chance, as it were to to be more deeply at work within my heartache and within my heartbreak. Mm. I think it's, um, you, you know, you used the phrase a while back, actually. You said the kingdom of God is found in reality, not unreality. Right. Um, and I think this is what you're talking about here. And it, and it flies in the face of so much of our culture because, um, so much of what we do is pretense. We are gesturing and posturing and all kinds of things. And then that creeps into our spirituality. And I don't think we realize how many layers of pretense exist in our friendship with Jesus, you know? Sure. And then and then suffering has this way of stripping that all down. Yeah, sure. And not even out of nobility, not even because you're so virtuous, but just because you're too tired uh, or sure. broken and the the walls come down and then our kind of our reflex action to be can be to quickly rebuild the walls but i think what sure. you're saying is like no no let the walls fall and and just sit there with jesus in the in the rubble of it all you know right and maybe maybe if i can just add one thing to that you know sometimes it's also helpful as i sit with uh, with the the risen lord in my pool of tears sometimes to really think of of a human being that i know who may be um a kind of just uh who can be christ's body to me uh in that moment as well um I, th I think that's why we are given each other. Uh, we, we don't travel this journey on our own. We are placed within, you know, Jesus places us within his family. And within that family, there are always one or two people that I know I can trust with my life. And they often um, become conduits of of Christ's uh, grace and love in my life as well. So, uh, so prayer and friendship, uh, I think so often uh, are our, our deep needs in when we're in a place of heartache and heartbreak. I think for me in my journey, what I've 
been so surprised by is how interconnected those two things really are. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I, th- I think sometimes I had very distinct boxes for God sure. and people. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and I think what's happening for me in my journey is that those two worlds are, are merging quite significantly. Sure. You know, as Christ, Christ meets me in our conversations or Christ meets me right. in a friend in profound ways, in meaningful ways, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would underline that uh, very, very deeply. Um, you, you know, I, I'm, one of the things I'm just learning in my own life is that whenever I I meet someone within the family of Christ, I, I think to myself, Jesus, I wonder I'm, how I'm going to meet you in this person. Um, mm. And uh, it just somehow uh, puts me on tiptoe uh, when I, when I'm, you know, when I'm with, when I'm with someone within the family of Christ, you know, yes. Lord Jesus, yeah. how how are you going to reveal yourself to me uh, yeah. through this person's life and heart and struggles and joys, etc. Yeah, it's wonderful. Almost like a, a kind of holy expectation, you know. Oh, absolutely. That's a lovely phrase. Trevor, these have been such helpful thoughts. I wonder if, uh, almost to close, uh, if you look around at the world at the moment and, you know, quite a broad brush stroke now, we don't know where this podcast will land or, or who's going to be hearing it. But if you had to offer sort of one, maybe a word of encouragement, an invitation maybe from the Spirit or something like this, what, what would be the broad brushstroke in this season that you would kind of leave with people? Right. Sure. Um, that's a big one, Matt. I think what comes to my heart immediately, and I guess I'm talking you know, right at this moment, the whole Russia, Ukraine Right. tragedy you know there's a sense in which god reigns and we and that's a deep 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 um, affirmation of our faith i want to go one step further and say that god reigns through us and that somehow i think in situations of extreme suffering god is wanting to extend god's reigning will through us Uh, god is not god can do it any way god wants to but it would seem that god chooses to do it through us as we engage very deeply um, the suffering around about us and in those places and they can be very local they can be in our own family our own places of work our own family circle our own community, that as we encounter these areas of um, of profound heartache and heartbreak, God is wanting to reign through and with us. And so I'm constantly, um, and I'm going to piggyback here, Matt, on what you said to me just before the podcast. For me to say to Jesus, maybe, Jesus, how can I, how can I companion you? Um, in this situation of pain. Uh, and I, I, so I, I think that's, that's, 
that's what I would like to leave, uh, leave with with the hearers with, uh, to this podcast. And I, I want to acknowledge my thanks for that phrase to you, to you, Matt. Thanks, Trevor. Yeah, and, and I think it is so important because um, suffering and pain has a way of drawing us in on ourselves. Um, absolutely. And, and, yeah. and naturally so for a while, I think. Sure, there's a sense absolutely. Of that. Sure, sure. But, but love draws us out, you know. And I, sure. and I think this is, this is Jesus that we see again, the model, the, the suffering servant, you know, and there, there's this way that we can do all the things we've described in this conversation and at the same time be active participants with God. In, sure. I love your your idea of this in the family business of the redemption of the world, you know, right? <laughs> um, and how those two don't, don't have to be mutually exclusive. There can be this kind of journey of of the of the healing of the self that's tied in with our companioning of Jesus in, sure. in the healing of the world, you know. Sure. Yeah, I think that you're underlining something absolutely critical. And also, I think, I guess, against a backdrop of, and again, I'm always a bit worried about broad generalizations, but in a culture that leans towards narcissism very often, um, and, a, you know, and a kind of profound inward looking, and I think that your word you know, of both being attentive to our own pool of tears, which is important, and then allowing our meeting with Christ within the context of our pool of tears, that we become a companion of His as we also engage the suffering that's around us. Trevor, thank you, as always, for your time. Ah, it's been an absolute delight, and uh, thank you for the conversation. And now just a real, um, to each person listening, uh, may you know, um, next to your own pool of tears, that uh, Christ comes to you right there in that place today. Mm. Absolutely. And... Um, I didn't want to leave without, uh, you have a new book out, Discovering God's Will for Your Life. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I do. Thanks Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know it's something that I've wrestled with all my life, you know. It does God, you know, one, obviously God has this kind of general will for, you know, the, you know for, for life, which is expressed so clearly for us in Scripture. So I've often wondered, you know, does God have a kind of, personal calling for our lives um and and i think the one metaphor in scripture that has meant so much to us so much to me is that we are called by name and uh you know that phrase just repeatedly occurs and that the the shepherd goes ahead of each one of us and calls us by name and how do i as it were suss out how how the lord may be calling me by name and uh, the book is written around uh, that particular uh, concern. How do we discern God's uh, very personal dealings with us 
uh, in terms of the person that we're becoming and in terms of the um, tasks that we engage in the world. Fantastic. And where, where can people find that, Trevor? You know, it's not uh, – the, the book is in uh, – it's in South African bookshops uh, at the moment, okay. and it's okay. – it's, um, it's not out there, as it were, on uh, kind of global online platforms only because rights are restricted at the moment to South Africa. Okay. So it has to be bought within okay. South Africa or sent from South Africa. Great. So if you're in South Africa, you're in luck. And uh, we'll <laughs> let you know if and when that changes for the rest of the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And I'll give you some commission on that. one. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Uh, friends uh, thank you so much for listening to the follow podcast and I hope this conversation as always has been helpful for you in following Jesus to the depths of his heart and to the ends of the earth we'll see you next week in the next series or the next episode in the series and here's just a little clip from that episode uh, to give you a sense of what you will be listening to we'll see you next time guys enjoy Sure. And there was this like this wrestle in me, this resistance to what was happening. And I think, Matt, um, I uh, and when I say wrestling, I mean me and the Lord were having words. <laughs> I was like, "This is unfair. Yeah. <laughs> How could you yeah. do this to me? <laughs> this is not yeah. the picture I had for my life." You know, you just—I mean, really, just um, very very dark days and times um, and and also just a concern of, of how I was going to get through this with them and um, and then you know by grace um, by grace there definitely was this um, thought <laughs> I suppose this thought from the Holy Spirit of what if this is your season what if this is your teacher what if this what you're going through with mom and dad is how you will draw closer to me 